Hello, everyone, and welcome back to SACS's Essay Today podcast. My name is Michelle Botcher. I'm an associate professor at Clemson University, and I'm also your host for this program. Today, I'm pleased to have a wonderful panel of experts to discuss the HBO series, The Sex Lives of College Girls. Um, and this group of guests is knowledgeable, resourceful, insightful. Um, and I just want to thank you all for joining the podcast this morning. Well, we're recording it in the morning. I don't know when you're listening to it. But um, before we get started on today's topic, if each of you could tell listeners a little bit about who you are outside of work. I feel like a lot of times when we um, have conversations, the first thing we say is what we do for work um, or being a student or whatever that is. But it's good to get to know each other a little bit outside of that. So any hobbies you have, things you're reading, watching, or listening to. And Indaya, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and getting us started, that would be great. Yeah, my name is Indaya Fielder. So outside of work, I really enjoy traveling. Um, I do some freelance content from time to time, and I enjoy um, acting as a background extra in some films and TV shows. Awesome. I love that you started with traveling because you're traveling right now, but still being a part of the podcast. So thanks so much. Yes. <laughs> uh, Bradford, what about you? Okay, thank you. Again, good morning. Again, my name is Bradford Porter. I go by Bradford. Um, I'm just into a lot of different things. I love food. I have a cooking page, so just trying different foods. Also, just making my own different recipes and things of that nature, and just hanging out with people and shopping, because I do like to spend money a good little bit. Awesome. Chris, what about you? Good morning, everyone. My name is Chris. Um, I love a lot of different things. I like watching Netflix, a different like different Netflix series. Um, Hulu. I just finished um Shit's Creek. Um, if you have not seen the series, it is very funny. Um, from beginning to the end, I'm extremely sad that um it's over or that I finished it solely because I have nothing else to do with my time. Um, but outside of that, I really do love socializing with people along with Bradford. Um, I really do like going to the gym. Um, I do this workout called Body Pump. Um, if you have not tried Body Pump before, um, I encourage you to give it a try, but go very, very slow on your first try. Um, outside of that, I really do like to cook, um, and I really do like to um, sit back and read. Currently, right now, what I'm reading or what I need to finish reading um, is um, Call Me By Your Name. Um, I've seen the movie, um, but the book is even better. Um, but other than that, just trying to find other different hobbies, um, along with socializing with different people. Wonderful. Thank you, Chris. Michaela, what would you like to share? Hi. So um, I also love traveling um, and hanging out with friends and family, but I also love being outside and hiking and walking. Um, I also like to do like watercolor calligraphy, um, something relaxing that I like to do. So kind of a mix of a lot of different things. I also enjoy doing spin, um, like on the spin bike. So yeah, just kind of a bunch of stuff. Wonderful. And Julie, would you wrap up this question for us? What about you? 
Sure. So my name is Julie Thomas. It's funny that you asked this question about hobbies because I was just thinking the other day as we're getting ready to graduate that I don't have any real hobbies and I need to find one <laughs> once I'm an actual adult working a full-time job. But right now I, in my free time, I like to read. I'm currently reading and then the middle of Daisy Jones and the Six, but I hope to also get into more um, outdoor walks as as the um, our year in grad school wraps up. Wonderful. Well, I appreciate you all sharing that and potentially making some recommendations to our listeners of things to do, read, and watch and listen to. Um, if we could shift now, and if you would each share a little bit about your journey into student affairs, if you'll talk about your undergrad institution, you're all just about done being graduate students, but got a few days left. Um, so if you want to talk about your assistantship, what your future looks like, listeners, we have a few people who are still job seeking. So take notes and reach out to our guests today um, because you will want to hire them. I just trust me on that. Um, but any other experiences that you want to share related to student affairs, that would be great. And Bradford, if you wouldn't mind starting us off this time. All right, great. So again, I'm Bradford. I I had a different approach to student affairs. So I went to undergrad, went to the University of Georgia, go dogs. I graduated in 2018 with a degree in political science and communication studies. So sore I was gonna be the next big lawyer, next judge. We was gonna make it happen. But I did a pivot, you know, I did an educational nonprofit and went to teaching for a year. And then was like, hmm, we did that. It was cool, but maybe not the thing for me. But I remember working with students and families and going to another educational nonprofit and working with as college advising. And that was when I was like, whoa, this is what happened for me. Or I wish would have happened when I was going to college. And being a college and career advisor made me want to go to grad school and work in student affairs. And that's what really pushed me to begin my search that grad program and led me to Clemson University just with a few different mentors and people I've interacted with from this program and realized how amazing the faculty here is, like top tier. So that led me to here. I currently have an assistantship with housing. So I work in the residence halls and that's been definitely a cool experience. I did a summer experience with the Kuhu'ai working again with the residence hall and doing just like the ADA and working with different accommodations and being able to kind of expand to work with the academic advising through my um, practicum, career services, as well as multicultural um, programming. Wonderful. Thanks, Bradford. Chris, what about you? Um, so similar to Bradford's story, um, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer as well. Um, so I did my undergrad at Radford University, go Highlanders. Um, I got my bachelor's degree in economics with a minor in marketing. Um, I thought I wanted to be a corporate lawyer. I thought that that was my route. That was my path. Um, I was really involved in undergrad. Um, anything that you can necessarily name that fell under the student affairs, that fell under student, student affairs realm, um, I was involved in it. Um, so that was student government that was a part of the conduct process, serving on the conduct board. Um, that was also being a tutor for our tutoring center. That also included being a peer instructor for our first year seminar class. Um, but the only thing that I did not touch was being an RA. Um, 
but I touched many other things, including like high, uh, being a tour guide, being an orientation ambassador, all of those great things. Um, and I remember talking to my, at the time I called her my nagging RA, um, but we are good friends to this day. Um, and I was just like, you know, I don't know what to do. I really love what I'm doing now. I'm really involved. Like, you know, I think I'm having like this crisis um, of figuring out what I want to do next after I graduate. Um, now, remind you, this is sophomore year and I had plenty of time to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and she was just like, why don't you go into student affairs? And I was like, well, what is that? And so she she was also going into student affairs as well. Um, and so since then, I've got connected with different mentors, including our Dean of Students at Radford, our Vice President for Student Affairs, um, and a couple of other of our AVPs and other administrators um, that kind of opened the gate to show me what student affairs is and what it was like. Um, and currently now I'm at Clemson, of course. Um, my graduate assistantship is with the Office of Community Ethical Standards. Um, so dealing with like a lot of conduct and policy and guidelines and things of that nature. Um, so that not necessarily a lawyer, but somewhat adjacent to it. Um, and then currently right now, I know that um, Michelle had mentioned to reach out to us because um, we're great people to work for you. Unfortunately, I am off the market. Um, and I believe that if I was to try to apply to a different job, my department will probably kill me. Um, but I am proud to announce that I have accepted a full-time position in our conduct office here at Clemson as a student support and outreach coordinator. You broke a lot of hearts there, Chris, but <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Michaela, what about your journey? Yeah, so I graduated from Bowling Green State University in Ohio in 2020, um, so right when the pandemic started. Um, throughout undergrad, I was really involved in fraternity and sorority life, um, service organizations on campus, I was a tour guide. Um, thought I wanted to be like a communications director for a company because I majored in communications and minored in journalism and psychology, but then realized that I didn't know if I wanted to go into the corporate world. So my advisor was like, you should look into student affairs. And everything that I wanted was within student affairs um, and everything that I loved. So that's kind of my journey getting into student affairs. Um, between undergrad and grad school, I took a gap year and I served with AmeriCorps in Arizona. And I worked for an organization that helps college students who had learning and developmental disabilities um, with like executive functioning skills and their academics and that really solidified to me that I did want to go into student affairs. Um, so then I ended up at Clemson. Um, my current assistantship is in fraternity and sorority life. I'm the community development um, graduate assistant. And I advise a student organization that we have in the fraternity and sorority life community called the FSL Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Ambassadors. Um, I love them. I'm sad to be leaving them soon. Um, and yeah, I also am a teaching assistant for a creative inquiry class for um, the Honors College that works with college access in the local schools here. Um, so that's been a really cool experience and fun working with fourth and fifth graders. And um, unlike Chris, I am still on the market for a job. Um, I am currently doing an international search, so would love to find a job somewhere in the UK, um, specifically Scotland um, would be great. So I'm looking into and applying to student services jobs over there. So that's been an interesting experience. So definitely a learning experience. Great. Thank you so much. Julie, how about your journey into and ahead in student affairs and student affairs related work? 
Yeah, for sure. So I went to Slippery Rock University of Pennsylvania, and I went to be a middle school math teacher. Um, Whenever I was student teaching, I quickly realized that I loved working with students and I loved education, but I didn't know if the public school setting was something that I wanted to do for my whole career. So at Slippery Rock, I was also similarly similarly involved like everyone else in fraternity sorority life. Um, peer mentor programs, leadership programs, things like that. So my mentors there also introduced me to student affairs. And that's kind of how I ended up at Clemson. Um, And here, my assistantship, I'm lucky enough to work in the College of Business. And I oversee a mentorship program that connects alumni and students. And then I'm really excited, even though I'll be gone, they'll be launching a peer-to-peer program for the College of Business as well. So that's been awesome to see that come to fruition and really connect my um, undergraduate experience and mentorship to my graduate experience. Looking to the future, I'll be working um, at EAB as a project specialist for their adult learner and recruitment division. So I'm really excited about this next step. And I think for me, no matter what I do, it always has to be connected to education. And I think I've seen that since like graduating from undergrad into graduate school and now and beyond. So I'm excited to see what the future looks like. Wonderful. And Indaya, if you would share about your story. Yeah, so I um, went to Penn State University Park for undergrad. I originally started as a journalism major and switched to telecom and then switched to recreation park and tourism management. Um, I really enjoyed it, honestly. Um, Similar to Chris, I had someone, I was really involved um, in undergrad, but I had a few people instilling me, like, you know, have you heard about student affairs? We should go into student affairs. That's how it always starts. Um, I wasn't familiar with it, but once I learned more about it and how it, you know, um, that was one of the things I was already doing in undergrad. I was like, oh, yeah, I would definitely love to be in a position like that or be in the field like that. Um, so that's how I heard about Clemson. So I got to Clemson. Um, at Clemson, my citizenship is a graduate community director for already before. So that was a new experience for me, a new functional area, but I've been enjoying it. Um, and in terms of what's the next steps for me, I am actually in the last round for a job. So just send me well wishes. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you all for that. And the next question I have, and Chris, if you'll start, this one, we always talk about how small student affairs is. And so I always try to ask guests to talk a little bit about um maybe some people who were particularly influential or had an impact on you um, because I think our listeners might go, Oh, I know them as well. And it just sort of reinforces that we are a community um, in the work that we do. So Chris, you mentioned your nagging RA, but are there other people that you want to highlight? Yes. And I also should probably put a name on my, on my (laughs) nagging RA. Um, her name is Juliana Stanley. Um, she is currently at um, George Mason University. I believe she's in the housing department um, from the last time I um, checked on her. Um, but other than that, um, also the vice president for student affairs at Radford University, um, Dr. Susan Trageser. Um, she kind of was our um, one of our advisors for um, our student government association there when I served as the student body president. And, you know, with anything that I had to, when it came to like recommendations, when it came to um, 
you know, learning more about the field and learning more about how to be a better leader. Um, she kind of, um, she kind of had different conversations with me that kind of developed my competencies of what a leader should look like, um, what a mentor should look like. And then also just giving me, you know, resources that I needed to like get me through um, the process of getting through my senior year, of course, um, and but also um, getting my applications in the door to different grad schools. Um, I will say here at Clemson University, um, Michelle Botcher served as my conduct mentor um, and also my supervisor, um, Abby Dill, um, who kind of was a great mentor to me. She kind of gave me the, the um, kind of gave me the understanding of how conduct works and what it should be like and what it shouldn't be like. Um, and I think that that um, coming from coming from a different institution when as coming from a different institution where the conduct process is a little bit different, mm -hmm. coming to see it at a different at another institution um, just gives you a different perspective on things and shows you how you know you should approach conversations and how things should be and how it should be an educational learning environment. Um, and I think kind of gets a bad rep. Um, but, you know, if you have the right mentors and the right people in your corner, it really does show how impactful and beneficial that it can be to the students' learning experience. Wonderful. Thank you, Chris. Michaela, who have been some of those people for you? Yeah, so I think in undergrad, um, Carly Walter, she is currently um, the assistant director for fraternity and sorority life at Penn State. Um, she was in my sorority. She graduated right when like I was like coming in, um, but she really helped me. She went to get her master's in like student affairs and she really helped me with the application process. And she was like my cheerleader the whole time. And when I was really confused on what I was doing, she helped me. Um, and she was just someone that I looked up to like in the fraternity and sorority life community. So definitely her for undergrad. Um, here at Clemson, I will also say Michelle Botcher and Tony Coffin. Um, they have been my cheerleaders um, with helping me with navigating this job search, um, which like I said before, has um, just been interesting just because it's very different. So they have helped me so much. Um, and also I think that they have just been great representations of like our work and what like student affairs stands for. Um, and I also want to give a shout out to my supervisor, Trish Robinson too, because she has just been an incredible supervisor. Um, she really gives me um, the autonomy to be able to kind of make what I want out of my assistantship. Um, and she just always provides great insight. Whenever I have a one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one with her, I'm like, Trish, you always have just great insight. Um, and she's just helped me with figuring out my confidence as a professional um, and also figuring out that work-life balance. And um, I see the way that she interacts with students and like establishes rapport with students within the FSL community. And it's just, it's truly amazing. So I want to give a shout out to her too, because she's definitely been a huge help. Thanks so much, Michaela. Uh, Julie, who have been some of your people? Yeah, of course. So I would definitely echo Michaela's sentiments about faculty at Clemson. I don't think any of us would be here and in, in the positions that we're in without them. So I'm very thankful that they were always in our corner um, these past two years in grad school. But for undergrad, Specifically, Lauren, Dr. Lauren Moran, she's the Director of Student Engagement and Leadership at Slippery Rock University. 
Um, she was my mentor through some fraternity and sorority life involvement, but also the leadership programs and peer mentorship programs that I mentioned before. She's the first person that introduced like student leadership competen competencies to me, which now looking after my two years of graduate education, I realized how big that was. Um, but it's kind of a small world of student affairs moment. I had this summer I was working remotely for Tri Sigma National Sorority. And I was doing education and training for them. And over the summer on Instagram, I saw that Lauren was actually elected the vice president, the national vice president of Tri Sigma. And I didn't even realize that she was a Tri Sigma. Um, I, I'm sure I kind of knew that in the back of my head. But as she was working with Fraternity and Sorority Life, she was always pretty neutral and kind of supporting the entire Fraternity and Sorority Life community. So it was cool to reconnect with her and tell her that I was working with her organization that she's so closely entwined with. Um, and then as well at Clemson, my current supervisor, Leah Hughes, she has been a supervisor turned friend. Um, I think I will always be able to go back to her and have conversations about my current work and um, she'll be always there to give great advice. So I've been really lucky to have these great mentors. Wonderful. Um, Indaya, how about you? Who've been some of your key people? Yeah, I've had a lot of people, um, but at Penn State, there's three people specifically. Um, Jenny Sack, Angelina Jenkins, and Carlos Riley. They're no longer at the institution, but they really just helped me understand what student affairs was, introduced me to NASPA. Um, Carlos was actually my enough mentor at the time. Um, they really just instilled into me, like, I can be a great student affairs practitioner and professional. At Clemson, I would echo what everyone said. Um, all of the faculty have definitely helped me, um, especially these last two years. It's really a rough last two years for me. They told me to keep going. Um, and then I would also say the BPSA and Dean of Students, Dr. Miller at Clemson as well. He's also been a really great mentor and resource um, for me this past year and a half. Thanks, Indaya. And Bradford, who are your people? I know with my people, if I start at UGA, I get um, Eddie Higginbottom and Michaela Faranda, just having two different advisors, one for Art Society Ambassadors and one from Housing, who were always holding me accountable and told me what grace and accountability looked like and how you can't have one without the other. Also having um, my mentor, uh, I call her Tia, but Leticia Allison, just having someone there to just really be there to support me, as well as my former supervisor, Q Williams, who was just able to show me what Black male leadership looks like in housing and what it means to work through some of those different issues and work through different situations. And of course, I can't say anything without just the amazing faculty at Clemson, especially I've talked a lot to Tony Coffin. So those are just my people, just a few, if I have the names so. Wonderful. Thank you all so much for that. I um, I hope when the episode comes out, you might share it with your mentors so that they can hear the good things that you're saying about them. So um, I really appreciate you setting the stage and sharing some about who you each are and what you bring to the conversation today. So um, if you would just kind of if somebody wants to start and give a quick overview of the uh, the series, you know, what I know many of you watched it as part of a course assignment, but you had options, you know, what drew you to that initially and whoever would like to start at this point. I can jump in here. Um, so the, the title kind of 
drew me in. Um, and then also, um, it was knocking out two birds with one stone. I was like, I get to watch a TV show and then also do an assignment on it. I like watching TV. I love watching things. So I was just like, why not do something that I truly enjoy? I don't know, maybe I'll become like an analysis for like Netflix or something for like every Netflix show or like Hulu or whatever streaming services out there. Who knows? That may be my passion in the near future. Um, but kind of give an overview of what the show is. Um, it's basically um, a group of students um, from different backgrounds um, and have different social identities that come into a community um, and to an environment that they are unaware of, um, that they do not know what to expect, um, what to hope for, um, who to socialize with, um, where to go to class, you know, think all of those things that a, usually a first year student would necessarily go through. Um, and so throughout the show, they are trying to navigate not only how to become roommates and become friends with each other, but they're also trying to navigate their own identities and what, what and what does that mean for them. Um, and so that includes different type of challenges that they go through, um, which, you know, first year students necessarily go through homesickness, trying to find your community. Um, you may face social challenges, including like racism, sexism, things of that nature. Um, and so just really trying to figure out who you are as a person as you're trying to navigate an environment in a community that you are unfamiliar with and especially socializing with people that you have no idea who they are until you truly get to know them. Um, it's really uphill battle for these group of ladies to necessarily try to figure out their identities because they go through this identity crisis, um, trying to figure out what they want to study, who they want to be, where they're trying to go in life, um, while also still trying to get the experience as a, as a typical college student would want of that, of getting that social aspect um, while also trying to figure out their academics at the same time. Um, but that is kind of my, my overview um, of the sex lives of college girls. Anything anyone would add to that? I would say um, the title doesn't give the show justice. Um, I think when people hear the title's name, they think it's all about sex. And I, we can all attest that it's really not. And so I think people should, um, especially people in our field, should really give um, the show a try. Yeah. And then, um, Chris, also, that was such a great overview of the show. I feel like you just really, like, encapsulated all of that and, like, perfectly. And just another thing to add is that the show takes place um, at a place called Essex College, and it's kind of giving um, that, like, Ivy League-esque um, college campus. So um, a lot of a lot of money, a lot of privilege, like, within the campus. Um, so that kind of, like, sets the stage, too, for some of the challenges that um, some of the characters um, face as well. All right. So great overview of the series. Do you want to talk a little bit about how the show relates or, or maybe doesn't relate to student affairs? What are some things that you see in the series um, that connect to student affairs practice? I know when we were doing the panel in class and kind of talking about this series, something that came up a lot is how we wish there were student affairs professionals in a lot of these settings that these students could go to. Um, even with the character development and just some issues that each character was going through, if there was a student affairs professional like just around the corner, maybe we could have intervened and kind of helped a little bit or helped them find the resources that they needed without having to go through some drastic measures. So I do think the representation of student affairs professionals is a little bit limited, um, but made for great conversation 
forcing the fairs professionals of how maybe we could have intervened in, in situations that they were going through. Yeah, I would have to agree. I definitely, I didn't like the way housing was depicted. So like just the idea that their version of an RA was just there, not really present, not really seen, not really helping out. And there was also kind of judgment where it's like, it's a Friday night. Everyone else is outside partying or outside being social at the point when the characters kind of got banned from the frat parties. So when they tried to film their own party, it didn't happen. People didn't come. And just this view that if you're a first year student every weekend, you need to party and even your RA will look at you like, why are you partying? That was just something where I'm like, as an RA, you're also there to give additional programming. You talk about alcohol, you talk about, you know, better choices. And also I know like just, a lot of the places I've worked, you know, there are versions of intentional chats that your RAs will have with your students and their residents. And those are check-ins. How are you doing? How are your classes? How are your um how are you adjusting to the school and things of that nature? So to kind of see like maybe someone like Julie said checking in, like, hey, you're struggling with some money. Let me tell you about some resources I've used. You're struggling with classes. Let me tell you some things. And usually that's a peer-to-peer -peer relationship most of the time. And there's a lot of studies that prove that that helps students when they hear it from someone else going through something. So the housing part, there was no housing programs. And we know like as much people say about student affairs and we like pizza parties. I didn't even get one pizza party. So I was like, what? <laughs> I love a good pizza party. But I just had a lot of feelings on the housing portion that was depicted because it was like not really there and it was just like yeah you do whatever you want in the residence hall and we know for real that shouldn't be the case michelle you already know how i feel <laughs> <laughs> i was getting ready um, to call on you chris yes um so i think from from off of julie's point um i wish student affairs was more involved i wish we had more presence within the communities um and with students um, and it seems like, um, from a conduct perspective, it seemed very off-putting, mm -hmm. to say the least. Um, because from my experience in conduct, that is definitely not how we operate. Um, now, granted, those situations can happen, but I think that there's more so of an educational conversation um, that happened before providing a student maybe some sanctions or some outcomes um, if they're found in violation of course um, I believe that 90 hours or 100 hours of community service is a, is a little bit extreme mm -hmm. um, I, I mean I can't speak to every other I can't speak to every other institution um, but coming from my the conduct that I practiced for the last two years and the philosophy of our office that seems a little bit more punitive than educational in my opinion um, but other than that, just going off of Julie's point again, I believe that I wish there was more representation. And then also, um, I guess from a housing perspective, it really did not do it justice. Um, it, and it showed that um, within the show, it showed that like in order to have this college experience or in order to have this best, like have the best four years of your life, um, you have to go out and socialize, you have to go out and party. And I really wish that it kind of incorporated other things that students can necessarily get involved in, you know, that allows them to get that social social aspect of college that they are wanting when they first came in. Right. Michaela, any thoughts about um, the fraternity and sorority life depictions in the series? 
Yeah, I literally had that written down um, because I think that it kind of showed the very stereotypical like sense of fraternity and sorority life, um, which I wish that there is like some other stuff that got brought into it. It was very much like just like the party scene of it. Um, so I wish that there was like some other side sides of it. Um, Leighton does go through um, recruitment um, for Panhellenic. Um, and that was kind of not shown in the correct way as well. Um, so I wish that that was kind of more shown um, how it would be on college campuses. But I wish that there would have been some representation from other councils and stuff too. Um, so let's talk about some of the issues that the students navigate. And if someone would start off and just kind of give a really quick overview of who the four main characters are, their roommates through the first and second season. And for listeners, season one is like semester one and season two is second semester. Um, so it's their first year at Essex. So would someone talk about the characters and get us started talking about some of the the issues that they face or the challenges that they navigate? I can start a little bit, but feel free to fill in if I miss anything. But um, first, there's Whitney. She is the daughter of a U.S. senator, um, and she's a soccer player. So a lot through the season, she struggles with her identity as an athlete. She struggles with her racial identity. Then there's Kimberly. Uh, she comes from a low socioeconomic background, and eventually she loses her scholarship through a series of events, which kind of is a large part of her plot story. Leighton is a legacy. Um, she kind of comes off as she has a lot of money. Um, she's there because her 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 dad, I think, was the one who went there. But she ends up getting in trouble and has to do some community service at the Women's Center. Um, and at first, she really struggles in that space. But we see her sexual identity development throughout the entire series, which is, I think, a really cool storyline that I'm sure we'll touch on in a little bit. But then there's also Bella. She joins a comedy or it's a comedy magazine, I think, the Catalan, and she finds it to be exclusive and male dominated. So she chooses to report the co-editor um, and they eventually start a new women's organization for a comedy magazine as well. So those are kind of the initial starts of what they are dealing with in season one. But of course, there's so much development throughout season two as well and see i can speak to some of the issues in season two so for bella at the end of season two she's struggling with like trying to transfer to a different university as well as struggling with her relationships both with friends and just people in general she feels as though she has to do things to other people or to get what she wants and so that's a factor that really she really struggles with at the end of season two in terms of Whitney, she struggles with her major and some racial biases in her class. She also had an affair with um, her soccer coach. Um, so that also plays a major part in just her storyline and who she is as a person throughout both seasons. Layton, she's very smart, but she doesn't want people to know that. And so we kind of see her navigating what does that mean for her to be smart and joining clubs and not wanting people to know that she is a part of these clubs specifically math clubs um, but she really hones in on who she is as a person and then lastly um, Kimberly since she lost her scholarship in season one 
season two, she's trying to figure out how she can stay in college without asking for help from her parents or asking help for her parents to like sign a loan or something like that so and at the end of season two we kind of see her um trying to sell her eggs to get some of that money and if i miss anything please help me out all right um are there specific it could be a character but for characters are there specific moments in the series that you found particularly compelling either positive or negative as you were watching the series? I think for me, um, there was a lot of time, different times, but when Kimberly um, lost her scholarship, like Ndaya was talking about, um, and she was trying to figure out what to do um, to be able to get money to pay for her school, that was something that just really like hit me of like that is how far like students like will go like to be like at this like institution um and her coming from a lower socioeconomic status and a lot of her friends like her other roommates came from higher socioeconomic statuses I think it could be really easy for like someone to be like well like why like would she do that like that's like so dangerous but she truly like wanted to be at Essex like and losing that scholarship was detrimental for her and she was literally going to do anything and she was already working an on-campus job so I think that that was just something that really hit of like that is like something that I could see even happening like on today's campuses and I think it was cool to see the support like from her friends with that and like Leighton um, took her to her appointment because she didn't want to have her parents take her to the appointment because she didn't want her parents to know about the scholarship. So I think that was really cool to be able to see um, that like friendship forming. And even though Leighton came from a higher socioeconomic status, like she still wanted to like help her friend through this. So that was something that really like hit for me within the series. Thanks, Michaela. I would also like to go off of Michaela and talk a little bit about Kimberly and with the protests on the exploitation of student workers, um, which some of the camp, some universities and colleges now today are kind of facing similar issues as we speak of not paying student workers enough um, or not paying them a livable wage to, you know, provide for themselves and or pay for any other outstanding balances that they have to owe to the university. And it really brought light to a lot of things of like, okay, what can we do as a university financially to continue to support our students? Like, is minimum wage a feasible income for students to live off of? And so I think it brings light to a lot of those, a lot of those conversations that are maybe held at, you know, higher administration, financial aid, whatever that looks like, um, as, you know, today's colleges and universities are kind of facing those similar issues. Mm-hmm. I think for me, when Whitney approached her professor that, was specifically calling her the only other Black person, Black woman in her class's name and could not get it right. And then it went to the crying and went to the emotions. And it went from her saying like, hey, well, my name is Whitney. That's the other, I can't remember the other student's name, but just being, having that identity and just having to fight that and just thinking how when you stand up or when you do the right thing, and even when you do it politely, you still can be seen as an aggressor 
or then the person who might be causing the microaggression is now acting as if they were the one that was insulted and just seeing that whole dynamic. Personally, I've dealt with a professor that would get my name wrong or specifically would think my name wasn't black sounding or didn't think my name was my name. And definitely seeing that was just like, oh yeah, I, I get that. I feel that. And it was good to kind of see them kind of name what that is. And that was that was the moment I was like, yes, please speak on that. Mm-hmm. And she and the other black woman in the class had a moment together too of, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So yeah, very good. I think all the characters make mistakes in some way, but I do see kind of what Bradford was talking about. Whitney just appears so mature to me. Like I think the way she handled those conversations that she was having could be a great example um, for someone also watching the show that just like needs to hear some words of like, maybe what could that sound like if I wanted to call someone out? So I think that was really cool to see that her character development, I think was like off the charts. She was awesome. I was going to say, I'd like to echo what Bradford said, specifically that moment when Whitney called out her TA, especially because I hold that same identity as Whitney. I've experienced that in many ways. And I have had moments where I look at the other Black person in the room and we share those eyes and we make that face we're like, why is this happening? Or we call each other each other's names. And so I think a lot of people who either hold the same identity as Whitney or a different identity can relate to that and could feel seen in that many moment. Michaela, were you going to add something? I was just going to say like one other thing with Whitney too is that I think it was um, cool to be able to see like the component of her being an athlete too within all of this because not only was she dealing with the identity as like a black woman is she was also dealing with her identity as like a college athlete and trying to like figure out like how was she going to like she wanted more of a purpose like she wanted something that she didn't want to just be the athlete so I think that was cool to be able to see her figuring out that she just really like enjoys science and um you know peers around her and her family around her telling her like no no like don't don't do science um do something else and like she really like buckled down and she um was studying um and she's very smart so um I think that was cool to be able to see that because I know that's something that probably a lot of college athletes struggle with um too is trying to find their like academic identity so that was also an interesting component of Whitney. One of the things that came up I believe it was this spring. And I think it was, so Mindy Kaling is a co-creator and executive producer. Um, And I think it was, she was the one who disclosed uh, an incident where she harassed a male co-star on a different show. And I just wonder if that information affects how you see the show or informs maybe how different issues are discussed so I I just want to pose the question does that have an impact for you on how you look at the series and it may not and that's okay if it doesn't I'm just I'm just curious about your thoughts I think for me um once I found that out I mean it was it was like disappointing just because like I really enjoyed the series so it kind of just like kind of put like a little bit of like a bad like taste in my mouth because I I really enjoyed the series and I really thought that I mean yeah there were some things that we talked about previously that we would have changed about it but for 
um, the most part, I really enjoyed it. So I think once I found that out, I was like, oh, man, like darn. But yeah, that's just the little tidbit that I have that I'm thinking of. So I don't really know how I like feel. I, I don't know how I feel and like completely. It just it was kind of like I it was a bummer to hear that after watching it. Yeah, I didn't know about it until after I watched the second season. And I agree with Michaela. It definitely did um, leave a bad taste in my mouth. I don't know if I have specific feelings pertaining to the show, but it did make me question about, um, it did make me question how that instance or other instances may have impacted the storyline or some of the characters and what does that look like? Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's some moments in the show where the characters are dealing with harassment. So I think that was hard to, to imagine how the show was originally created to kind of bring light to these issues and, and give a space for people to feel seen. So it it is a little bit disheartening knowing that someone who worked on the show kind of took part in some of the things that, in the show we were specifically painting as bad and things that you shouldn't do and kind of how the our main characters were really affected by some of the things that were happening to them in regards to harassment so I do think I agree it was kind of disheartening and does make me think a little bit about specifically those scenes and kind of who was working on them and and kind of why they ended up and and what and the way that they did You've seen the series, you know, and talked about it in a couple of different types of settings. What are some ways, well, one, I guess, would you use this series in student affairs or higher ed? And if yes, in what ways might you use it? How could it be implemented or shared in through practice? I think for me, some of the things that, I mean, I think the whole like two series is, great to watch but just thinking about students um I think this is like a great show to recommend to students but there's like certain um snippets that I probably um would try to incorporate into like programming so then my current assistantship I'd um create and facilitate a lot of DEI programs and one of the programs that I facilitate um talks about microaggressions and Shout out to Camden Miller, who's also in our cohort at ACPA. Um, him and his supervisor um, did a um, presentation about like how to use like pop culture to do like programming surrounding like social issues. And I think for me, that would be to be able to show some of the snippets like in the series when like there is racism happening, when there is sexism happening, to be able to really like show what that looks like. So students who Um, not realize like that's happening in the community like they can see it and they know like what to look for because for some students we have to do that Um, so being able to show examples and being able to kind of like how Julie was talking about being able to like show examples of how you can like navigate that and really confront that when that's happening I think would be really beneficial to use with student programming. I think if I ever decide to get my PhD and become a professor it can be really used in like a theory class because some graduate assistantships um, may not be as student facing. So they may not be able to see or witness um, students kind of go through some of those identity developments. But I, you can definitely use this show within a, a graduate graduate class, um, more specifically theory when you start learning about 
um, different identities um, and what that development process looks like for each individual student while also taking into consideration the intersectionality and how that may be different even though you may hold the same identities as well. Um, so for those who don't get that student facing or not do not have the opportunity to see that identity development, this show kind of depicts that very well. Great. All right. So one question and then your closing thoughts or anything else you'd like to share. If you could change one thing about the series, what would you change and why would you make that change? And this may build on some of your earlier comments. So. I would have kept Layton in the sorority. Personally, to see her work so hard for that, to come and want to do that, to have even the idea of legacy, and then to see her personal growth at the end when it came to being comfortable with her orientation, understanding about the Women's Center and supporting other women. I would have loved to see her then take that role as like the socials chair and to really shake things up within her sorority too partner with the Women's Center to bring in different people to show Greek life from an organization point where like, okay, we do support women that might identify as LGBTQ+. I would have loved to see that versus in the show. It was because I am, and I've seen an alumni say something. I've seen a sister say something. I had a bad experience. And then of course she made the choice that she did about stepping away. And it kind of just showed me like that was a failed attempt where that could have really pushed it to position it. Because I do feel like now in a lot of different organizations, there are conversations about just the intersectionality within LGBT and Greek life within both like, again, the fraternities and the sororities and just having that conversation going on right now. I think that would have been a great way to show people you might be able, you can do both. You can still have your identity and still be a part of that org. And that was something that was like, I really wish I would have done it differently. Missed opportunity for sure. I think for me, I would change the conduct process <laughs> um, just to shape it in a more educational way. So kind of, I won't say go fully through the conduct process, but at least have some educational conversation. And then like, if you are going to provide a sanction, like hundred hours of community service, you know, explain to the student like why why that is, like why you believe that this is beneficial and educational for them. Um, because of what it kind of shows is that we're very punitive. And if you get in trouble, we're just going to slap you with 100 hours of community service or a greater sanction. And then it's just like, and then the student walked away, particularly Layton, you know, walked away and was just like, ugh, I got to do this, that, that, this. And I believe that there was some learning experience um, on her end, but I feel like it came more so from her, like, wanting to take a deeper dive into it rather than the actual kind of office giving it to her, if that makes sense. Well, and remind me, Chris, I think, wasn't the hearing officer, like, the president of the university? Yeah, he was, it was, like, the dean, and I'm like, that is, that, you would never see a dean, the only time you see a dean if you're, like, going through, like, an appeals process or something like that, um, so the fact that you are meeting a high administrator, about an alcohol and maybe a disorderly conduct violation um, is a little bit extreme in my opinion. Yeah, so if you are making these shows and movies, quit doing that, that is not how it works. Give Chris a call, he'll explain it to you for a nominal fee, but you gotta quit doing that. So other things you might change. I wish that this show, and I know that this is hard um, with shows because it's only, you know, I think they were like 40 minute. Um, 
uh, episodes and they obviously can't go in depth with like every single thing but sometimes I felt like something like happened to like a character um, and I would have loved for them to go like more into it or maybe have it like continue on like more than just a couple episodes like specifically with Kimberly with her um, donating her eggs that was kind of like it happened so I think that was like between like two episodes it happened and then like we really don't hear anything like after that so I would have like loved for that to go a little bit deeper um, in some of the other issues that the characters were dealing with but again I know that's kind of hard to do because that episodes are shorter but I felt like it was just kind of like they experienced something and then they just moved on to the next thing very quickly yeah all right anything to add Julie I think there were a lot of times where socially what they were doing outside of some of their student orgs was just kind of going out and like the show showed a lot of party scenes which I understand that's part of like some college student experiences but I imagine watching this as a senior in high school and thinking about like what my college life is going to be like and I think that potentially sets up an expectation that when you go to college you have to anything fun that you do is going to be going out and partying and drinking so I I do think it's an important piece of the show to to represent but sometimes it felt like it was a lot and didn't they didn't really show opportunities for them to kind of hang out socially outside of their specific student organizations other than going out and going to fraternities or wherever they decide or partying in their dorms too which we talked a little bit about seems super unrealistic (laughs) right all right well the last question is any final thoughts or anything we didn't discuss that you want to highlight as we kind of wrap up the episode today I did want to also mention that I think the show, so obviously we have like the four characters who are roommates, but I think the show also incorporates in like a lot of other people and identities too um, that are interesting along the way, Um, like someone that lives in their um, residence hall, her name was Jocelyn, and she has a disability, Um, she's in a wheelchair, and I think that that just like gives a lot of representation. I feel like a lot of times with shows, um, we don't really see characters who have disabilities. Um, So I think that's something for me, I was like, I loved that they had that representation. And although that she's not, a room like in the roommate situation with them like she is and she's such a funny character too like she'll just like pop in I think she's like an influencer as well so very like savvy with like social media and all that so I just like I really liked her as a character yeah everyone is agreeing I think on that all right well thank you again and I know Indaya is traveling and she had to step away so just want to make sure that I thank her for uh, participating today. But as we kind of wrap up, one last question that I have for you all, and it doesn't have to have anything to do with this TV show, though it could, not the boss of your lives. But if you could each share something that is giving you hope right now. And Michaela, if you would get us started this time. Yeah, so I'm like a very like manifestation-y person. And the other day, um, my supervisor, who I mentioned earlier, Trish, she took my co-grad and I out to lunch to talk about transition since we're going to be wrapping up here soon. 
and we um, went to Red Bull in Clemson. And when we were leaving, we got fortune cookies and my fortune, I have it in my wallet right now, but it said people make plans, fate makes the plan successful. And that to me just really hit because Right now, navigating the job search, um, and sometimes it can be overwhelming and frustrating, and I'm the type of person that wants to have a plan at all times, and this has kind of been a moment of not having a plan, so seeing that um, fortune in the fortune cookie kind of gave me hope of like, okay, like, yeah, like, fate makes the plan successful, it's all going to work out, so yeah, mine um, thing came from a fortune cookie from Red Bull and Clemson. I love it. All right. Thank you. Uh, Julie, what about you? Something that's giving you hope? I think just friends and family being able to spend some time, extra time with friends in the next coming weeks because things are winding down. And then also with family coming into town for graduation. I think just knowing that I have a support system in the next few months where there's kind of a lot of uncertainty. I am really thankful for that. I'm thankful for a little bit of a slowdown now that we're kind of wrapping up with our degree requirements. I feel like I was very lucky to meet some really great people here at Clemson that I never would have probably interacted with. So I think that's giving me hope for the future, knowing that all of these people will still be here, even if we're not in the same location anymore. Wonderful. Bradford. This is a great question. I feel like for me, just thinking about this whole like experience, thinking about just the work experiences I've had in undergrad, just knowing like, okay, you went through the fire and you're still here knowing like, okay, there's going to be things that are going to be challenging, things that are going to be uncomfortable, but knowing like, okay, friend, you can do it and to know that you can keep doing it. So that's just the thing about like, it's hot, but not too hot. So like, just keep on going. That's what is keeping me through. Wonderful. And Chris, what's bringing you hope? Finishing grad school. Okay? <laughs> My life is slowing down. Um, but no, I think just going off with Julie's point, I think taking some time to understand yourself. And sometimes life does not give us, life goes so fast that it doesn't give us that opportunity. And we think that we know what we want until we actually like have a sit down and like really truly think about it and reflect on some of the things that are going on in our lives, whether that's challenges, whether that's identities, whether that's our passions, um, whether that is hobbies or things that we want to do or want to get to do um, or get to know. Um, so I think that if you ever ever get a moment or just even a second just to sit down and just reflect, it's, uh, it's very beneficial. And sometimes it can seem redundant. Sometimes you feel like you're reflecting on the same things, but and all, all in all, like it will contribute to a greater mindset and it'll also contribute to the greater goals that you have in life as well. Wonderful. All right. And it makes sense that you're going to reflect on some of the same things because there are things that are important to us all the time that we need to be thinking about. So, well, I appreciate you all. Um, thank you one more time to the guests today. I enjoyed our conversation and I, I did a quick check and it looks like there will be a season three it there's no release date yet but they're guessing november so keep that in mind and maybe we reconvene in a year and talk about the next couple of seasons so today's essay today podcast is brought to you by saxa and we thank them for their support 
SACSA encourages all listeners to think about the innovative work and research you are each doing, and please consider submitting a concurrent or poster program. Uh, this year, they're also doing uh, Pecha Kucha for the 2023 SACSA conference in Atlanta, Georgia, November 4th through 6th. During the conference, you'll be able to learn and share about innovative and reimagined solutions, new research, and current trends that address best practices in collaboration, partnerships, and experiential learning. The call for programs went out on March 7th, so please consider a presentation on one of the important topics in our field and the interesting work that you're doing. The deadline for submissions is Friday, June 30th. For more information, visit the SACSA website. Finally, as we close, I'd like to leave you with a quote. And today's quote is, it's such a rush to like learn stuff from Kimberly Finkel from the Sex Lives of College Girls season two. Thanks to each of you for listening. My name is Michelle Botcher and it has been a pleasure to host this episode. Have a beautiful day.